we're going to talk about trusting in the name of Jesus today. This is, this is such an incredible subject because the foundation of your life, your whole eternal life, is trusting in him. And you can't trust in somebody that you don't know, right? And so the Holy Spirit of God, God places his spirit in you. Why? So that you can know the things that he has freely given you. So that you can be guided into laying hold of all of them. And everything that you lay hold of in God will drip with, I love you, I love you. I'm your healer because I love you. I'm your provider because I love you. I'm the one who, when you get off the path and you make wrong choices, I'm the one who drips with love for you, mercy. I don't grab you and spank you and get in your face. No, I just pick you up. I clean you off. Now, you have to initiate that. You have to confess it. But when you do, he's faithful and just. He cleans you off of all the sin, you know, behavior that you just did, all the unrighteous behavior that you just did, so that now you're just restored completely as if sin never existed, right? And then he just leads you back on the path. Man, it's just, he's so good. And this is why the Bible, this, it's, it's his love letter to you, Right? It's God saying, listen, I sent my word and I healed you. His word, it, it, he, he says this, I'm not a man that I should lie. Right? Titus even tells us, that's in the book of Numbers, Titus even tells us he is the God who cannot lie. If, and then it says in Numbers, if I said it, I will do it. Right, Which means, as a New Testament believer, we understand what that means. He's already done it, but now what he will do is perform it in our lives. If he said, I sent my word and healed you, that healing belongs to you, but he will perform it as you trust in the name of Jesus. Right? If, and, and it says, I'm not the son of man that I should repent. In other words, I never change. And then he says, listen, Jesus Christ is the same in the book of Hebrews, yesterday and today and forever. In other words, I'll never change, right? And then in, in case you don't know or you've been sitting under some ridiculous teaching that says that God will bless one and not another and you know he's sovereign and he heals some and not others, if you hear that stuff, then you read over and over again, you read in the book of James, every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from him from the Father of lights, and then he says this, in whom there's no variableness. That means what he's done for one, he's done for all. Neither shadow of turning. I'll never change. I will always love you. I'll always be there for you. I'll always, see, in the Old Testament, it says he's the God that lifts your head and picks you up, that when you fall, he picks you up. But New Testament, it's even better. If you fall, yes, he'll pick you up. But here's the thing. In the New Testament, he's like, man, I'm going to put my spirit in you so that you can know me and know my ways, and I'll be the God who will keep you from falling. Right? This is, this is who he is. Jesus comes on the scene, 
And he exposes Satan, which was really kind of hidden in the Old Testament. And he says, listen, I have come. The thief is here. There's a thief here. He's come to steal and kill and destroy, John 10, 10. But then Jesus says, but I've come to give you life, the very quality of life that my father has as the God of the universe. And I've come to give it way too much of it to you. Way too much for you. It's overflowing. You'll never be able to keep it to yourself. You've got to go give it away. And as you get full of a revelation knowledge of all these things, you can't keep it to yourself. Right? Why do Christians not tell people about Jesus? Because they're full of themselves. They're not, they're not walking in an overflow of who God is. Where at? In their spirit? No, no, no. No, your spirit, man, your spirit's right on. It might not be developed because you haven't been given it any meat or anything like that, or you haven't actually, it's not even started to develop because you're not even drinking milk, right? But you could develop your spirit. But I'm talking about we can get so full in our mind of ourselves, and that's why we don't share our faith. And we use excuses. Well, you know, I just don't know enough. Are you born again? That's all you need to know. Yeah, but I just got to be able to answer everybody's questions. Oh, no time out. No, no, you don't. No, no, he's, he's the one that you want people to look to, not you. Right? You just tell people about what Jesus has done in your life. As you live your life telling people about what Jesus has done in your life, it will turn you on. There's no limit. You know, we are kind of like LED lights. So, so we have a dimmer. It's called our mind, and if we feed it wrong things, it dims the light. Right? But I could tell you this. There is no, how bright can we get? We can't define that. Because the brightness that comes out of us is based on us. It's unlimited brightness. Right? So this is what's so cool. And I love, you know, Jake and Alicia, I love, I love a youth camp because I used to hear that with our, with our youth when we were youth pastors. It's like, you know, you go to school and you live in, okay, are there any Christians on the planet, right? And then you go to a youth camp and you're like, oh my gosh, there's 900 crazy on fire for God, you know, and it's really cool. Well, this is, this igniting can be in your life every day of your life. And that's what God wants. So let's get into this a little bit. Praise God. We won't go three hours today. You know. Uh, but if you, if, you guys, if you guys were running and jumping and screaming for three hours, people would be falling out on the floor because they'd be so tired. And then it'd really get crazy because then other people who, who maybe weren't used to walking in that, they'd think, oh my gosh, that guy just got slain in the spirit. Wow, this is amazing, right? It's like my friend, the Dean of Rama, he, he took off running on their big stage one time during worship. And, you know, he's an ex-college uh, ex basketball player, overweight, little older, blue as Achilles tendon, just right on the stage, excruciating pain, hits the ground, bam! He's laying there in excruciating pain. The whole service went crazy because they're like, wow, Tad just got nuked by Jesus. 
He's laying on the floor. He's seeing everybody freaking out, and he's thinking to himself, can anybody help me? Because I'm like really hurting here, you know? Church, you just kind of work this stuff out, right? So let's go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 16. I love Acts chapter 3. It talks about a wonderful story about a lame man that they would take this man and lay him at the temple. There was a gate called Beautiful. Jeanette and I have been there, you know, and right where that is. And, uh, and so here's this guy. He would, he, would, he would sit there. They would bring him and sit him down, and he would beg for money, right? That's, that's how he made his living. And people coming to the temple would give him money. And so here's Peter and John. They're going to the temple, and they look at this guy, right? And, and the Holy Spirit starts leading them towards this man. So the man thinks that they're going to give him something, some money. And then Peter says to him, he says, listen, silver and gold have I none. But then he says, in the King James, it says, but such as I have, right? But such as I have. In the literal Greek, it would read, but who I have, give I thee. I'm going to give you who I have. And then he says this, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then these Greek words, if you study them, Peter, you know, he's probably kind of a rough guy, probably pretty strong being a professional fisherman. He just grabs this guy and yanks him up and starts walking him. And, and literally, the guy's ankles receive strength as he was probably dragging him, and then all of a sudden he's walking, and then pretty soon he's leaping and praising God, Right? Who I have, give I thee. When we talk about trusting in the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, when you speak the name of Jesus, it brings the presence and the power and the provision of Jesus right on the scene. You gotta believe this, right? You know, when you stay around here enough, we get in the Word so much that we hear these scriptures and they become common to us. And, and we think, like I was telling the guys, we were talking about being doers of the word. We think because we hear them that we've done something. But I'm here today to tell you, no, no, if you, if you hear these things and don't do something with it, you're going to deceive yourself. Right? But boy, if you'll hear the word of God and grab hold of it and meditate in it and take it, and if you leave here with nothing else, you've got to know that the name of Jesus will change everything in your life. It'll drive sickness from your body. It'll drive sickness out of other people's bodies. It'll heal marriages. It'll heal relationships. It'll completely restore your life to where there is no evidence that the enemy's work was ever in your life. When Jesus heals, there is no scar. It's, he makes all things new. So in, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, now after the fact, Paul, or Peter is now going to explain what happened when that man was healed. It says, and his name, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know, Yea, the faith which is by him 
hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It's real interesting because those who might say healing was done away with, there's no theologian, there's no pastor that will ever say the name's been done away with. Well, look at this right here says that he was healed not by the apostle's power. Therefore, this could not have ceased when the last apostle died. This man was healed through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Your whole life can be radically changed through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything could be changed. See, this is why Satan yells and screams with media, with, with circumstances in your life. The whole world system is designed by him to create fear and unbelief and to distract a child of God so that they get their eyes off Jesus because the reality of it is there is no sickness that cannot be completely eradicated from a human body through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no marriage that can't be healed, right? There's no relationships that cannot be restored. There's no financial disaster that cannot be completely turned around, right? There's no addiction that can live in a person who has faith in the name of Jesus. It says here, look at this, and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath, hath given him this perfect soundness. I love the way the Holy Spirit breathed that, because when God gets done in something in your life, it's perfect soundness. Perfect. It doesn't matter what background you came from. It doesn't matter the crazy situation you may have grown up in or may have been in. He could turn your life into perfect soundness. But you must trust in the name of Jesus, right? The name of Jesus, in other words, it is the key to everything. Amen. Everything. And here's the cool thing. You don't have to feel like his name works. You have to just believe, right? You must believe that his name works. So in 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, it says this. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Everywhere you go as a child of God, the greater one is in you. Greater than anything you'll ever face. Knows everything. And is there and will bring to your remembrance everything. It's amazing. 
Why do we overcome? Because of the greater one in us. Not because of us. The greater one in us. When you talk about trusting in the name of Jesus, the reason why I went to 1 John 4, 4 is because this is the reality and the byproduct of you trusting in the name of Jesus. You live your life. I walk around all day conscious of the fact that the greater one is in me. As I come to preach today, you know, I don't get in front of a mirror and practice my sermon. You guys probably know that, right? right. I, it's just, it's the greater one, and I lo I'm looking to him for utterance. I'm looking to him for everything. I'm looking to him, man, especially if there's an area of my life where I look at it and just go, I can't do this on my own. I look to him. I'm conscious of the fact that the greater one, you know the Holy Spirit is God. You do know that, right? He is one of the three of the Trinity who is one. He's God. He knows everything. He is literally in every day of your life right now. Isn't that amazing? Right now, he's seen you come out of your mother's womb, and right now, he's seen you go home, whether it be in the rapture or at the end of your life. He knows everything you're going to face this afternoon, tomorrow, next month, next year. He knows everything, right? I know when, when in, in about March of 2020, when we came back from Hawaii, and all of a sudden, you know, this COVID thing is going all over. They're telling us we got to wear masks and we can't have church. Now, we can go shopping, but we can't have church. And, you know, and... And, and, you know, and, and when, we, when we do finally get to walk in a restaurant, man, you got to wear a mask when you walk in. Cause, now, you can take it off when you sit down because when you go below a certain <laughs> level, then you're okay. And, you know, we're, and, and all of a sudden, all this stuff starts coming out. And the Lord just instantly, right away, said, I no longer want you to watch the news. I want you to get all your news from my word. My word is truth. If there's anything you need to know, I'll, I'll, I'll get it over to you. And, and thank God I did that. And, and it wasn't like I didn't know what was going on. But it never was a, a focus in my life because I knew during this time, all this is is the enemy turning, up, turning it up because we're getting close to the end. He knows he has a little bit of time. And he's going to keep trying to turn it up. And this is the, this is the cool thing about him turning stuff up. It gets people who don't know Christ, they get to the point where they're like, oh my gosh, what, what am I going to do? And guess what? For us, who's in the middle of this fiery furnace of ridiculousness, we're with Jesus and we're at peace. Amen. So we're like, hey, don't, don't be freaked out about this stuff. You know? God's your provider. He'll be your protector. He's everything. Jesus is your answer. He's not a answer. He's the answer, Right? The power in us is greater. Why? Because the power that backs the authority that we've been given in the name of Jesus is greater than anything the enemy could ever do. This is why the gates of hell will never prevail against you and I as the church. Right? So now you're, you're in 1 John 4.4. 4. Go to 1 John 5.4. 1 John 5.4 says 
For whatsoever, really it's the Greek word that means whosoever, is born of God, overcomes the world. And that word world is cosmos in the Greek. It's the world system. Whoever is born of God overcomes. This word literally means whoever is born of God subdues and conquers continually the the world system because of the authority that they've been given. In your life, look at your life today, right where you're at, and man, get before the Lord and say, okay, you know if you're looking at truth and you're full of the word, you're going to know every area of your life that doesn't look like what the Bible says your life should look at. And don't put up with it. You speak to the mountain. God will move it, but you've got to speak to it. You've got to believe that those things that you say when you speak to it will come to pass. Why? You've got to believe and trust when I speak in the name of Jesus, mountain move, you got to know that God will move that mountain. Whatever it is, it could be a mountain of debt, it could be a mountain of depression, a mountain of anxiety, it, who knows what it is, a mountain of addiction, a mountain of sickness, right? Have you noticed when Satan starts working in your life, he never will stop? Like if it's your health, he won't stop. He, he won't stop until you're off the planet, right? In every area. So this is why you got to go, listen, you don't give him an inch. See, if you give him, you've heard the phrase, if you give someone an inch, they'll take a mile. Well, that's not Satan. If you give him an inch, he'll take your life. He'll take your destiny. He'll take your purpose. But he has no power to do it, and he knows that. Because we've been given the authority in the name of Jesus. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world system, and this is the victory that overcomes the world system. It's our faith. What does that mean? The minute that I hear my God on the inside of me say, Tony, I sent my word and I healed you. When I hear the word of God, faith is birth, and that is my victory. At the beginning of the battle, I already have the victory. I don't have to see the sickness and disease out of my body. Outwardly, I already see it inwardly. Right? And that's the, that's the reason why when you are trusting God, and what does it mean to trust God? It means that all of my trust is in Him and none of my trust is in anyone else or nothing else. Right? Well, I, you know, I've been hurt. I just can't trust people. Okay, great. Put all your trust in God. I, I don't have any trust left to trust people. Well, what does that mean? You don't trust people? I, I don't look at it. I don't sit there and go, I need to trust people. My Bible screams to me what I need to do is love people. And, and when I love people, I don't consider myself. So if you're not considering yourself, why would you need to trust somebody? Do you know when you live like that, the intimacy level that you'll have with people is amazing? They will feel like, wow, he really trusts me. He really loves me. He's really there for me. And they're right. 
they're, they're, they're completely right, but what, what they don't see is my focus is never I'm trusting them. I'm not looking, I don't look to people. Now, you have to keep your flesh down, but I don't look for people to fulfill me. Amen. Right? My wife completely fulfills me. Why? Because I never look to be fulfilled by my wife. Because I'm completely fulfilled by him, now we have this healthy relationship. Everything in your life flows out of the overflow of your walk with God, which is complete trust. So I'm just, I'm just here today to encourage you. Commit every area of your life to God. You see things in the Bible. Here I go. You see things in the Bible. So here's, here's this, this lady. There's a great famine in the land. And here's this prophet. I always get them mixed up. It was either Elijah or Elisha. Wow. I don't know why God did that to us, right? So, so this lady has a son, and no doubt her husband probably died, so she's a widow. She has nothing. She has just enough left to make a little cake for her and for her son. They're going to cook it, eat it, and die. Prophet shows up. Man of God walks in, right? Caesar situation, and she says, listen, I, I'll, this is what I'm going to do. And he goes, okay. He says, so this is what I want you to do, though. You make me a cake first. Which means that there's probably not even enough to make another cake because she was going to make small cakes for her and her son. Just like what was left, just split it in two. So in other words, the principle is you make me one first. Can you imagine if I did that in our church? People would be like, pastor's a jerk. Are you kidding me? Right? But that opened the door for God to bring into that woman's life provision that not only took her through the famine but supplied her financial life for her whole future. In Haggai, you know, that's, if you don't know where that's at, you're at Malachi, just go left two books. You're at Haggai, right? And so in Haggai, two chapters. If you, if you want to read a book of the Bible and, and brag, you could say, hey, I read the whole book of Haggai today. It's like two <laughs> chapters, right? But in chapter one, the people are going to their houses and God's saying, you're going to your houses, but my house is desolate. What I want you to do is you build my house first and then you deal with your own house. Right? And then by chapter two, God is saying, listen, I'm going to shake everything the silver's mine, the gold's mine. In other words, he's letting these people know, listen, here is the principle. You put me first, and I will take care of you. That same principle goes right into the New Testament in a foundational scripture. It's not just for prosperity. It's for every area of your, not just financial prosperity. It is for every area of your life. It's Matthew 6.33. God says this, seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, or in other words, his way of making you right. What was that? Faith. Right? In other words, Matthew 6.33 is saying, guys, here is the key to your life. You seek my, my things first, and you walk by faith. And he says, and everything else, I will add to you. Right? And that's when you live that way, what happens is now you're living in Psalm 23. Right? All of a sudden, the Lord is your shepherd, and because of that, you will never lack. It's impossible to lack. See, the word in Psalm 119, verse 89, it says that the word of God forever stands and is established in heaven. Nothing will ever change it. It is truth. Right? It goes on to say, in Matthew 24, 35, it says, listen, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Wow. If he said he would meet all of your needs, if he said, I will empower you to get wealth to establish my covenant in the earth, you're like, well, yeah, okay, so God's going to bless me to establish his covenant. Oh, yeah, you should read what his covenant is. Right, I mean, your storehouses are overflowing. You don't own a house, you own multiple houses, right? All of these things, I mean, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling that the God of the universe has given us a covenant where he says, listen, if you'll but trust me, if you'll trust me, and you'll see what's the greatest expression of trust, it's rest. What's the greatest expression of faith? It's rest. You now have ceased from your own works, and now you're just going, okay, I've created this disaster, or this disaster was created for me, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you realize, wait a minute, it's okay. I know my future. I could see it. So I'm not worried about my financial life. I'm not worried about my health anymore. I've ceased from my own works. Now I'm just like, okay, I believe I receive, and now, Holy Spirit, what do I do? Right? Empty my bank account and just give it all, give it all to the church. Give it all away. Sure, okay. Because I trust you. And I know, I know that you would never hurt me. I know that everything that you would lead me to do will lead me to increase because there is nothing but increase in you. And I don't get afraid of that. Right? Why? Because I take no thought for tomorrow. Why? Because he, hit, he is my tomorrow. So I'm just kind of throwing some stuff out. This is why in Matthew 4.4 4 it says, listen, man shall not live by bread only, but man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You're going to see the awakening when a person awakens to righteousness, they hunger and thirst to know God. And how you know God is through his word. Right? And what I mean by that is you get into the word, the Holy Spirit brings revelation of who Jesus is, you get to know him, and man, 
all of a sudden now you realize, hey, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will never fear any evil because he's with me. He anoints my head with oil. The anointing is upon me. Therefore, my cup is not full. It only runs over. Why? Because when you walk in the anointing, your focus, just like what Pastor Dave was saying as he was receiving the offering, your focus is on how you can bless others. See, the blessing of Abraham that is on us as Christians, it's on you. It might not be active. You got to work it. You got to say, okay, I believe it and I'm going to walk in it, right? But it's on you and it is literally designed to bring you into a full and overflowing supply of finances so that your influence in the earth is increased so that you can be a storehouse of blessing to others. And guys, right now, you know, we're kind of sitting in America. We're a little freaked out that the interest rates have went to 7%, you know, or whatever. And, and we're a little freaked out that, that, that investments are just maybe not getting what they used to get. And inflation, we have had record inflation. Guys, we haven't seen anything. We go, I know people in countries, Tim and Rhonda Rogers who have been here, man, I think, I think mortgages in, in Mexico City were, I think the interest rate was like 30-some percent. You know, I think only, only mob crime bosses get that maybe, right? In America right now. Could you imagine if inflation was 60%, 70%? Why am I saying that? Because the world is going to need us to be a storehouse for them. And it doesn't matter if it's 60%. Now, we pray for our country, we stand, we stir ourselves, we be led on how we're to get involved in all of these things, because we're not going to give up America, right? However, we are living at the end of the church age. So, So we do all that, but we get in faith, we get full of the word, because when he's my provider, he doesn't meet my needs according to, to my standard, he, might, he meets my needs according to his riches and glory. Do you know in heaven, there's no bad neighborhoods? Right? I mean, there's probably some deals in Omaha if you want to rent a place that, that might be a little cheaper than some other places. But, you know, it, it's a little, it's, it's not, you know, I, I've lived in some areas in Illinois where, you know, when you sign that lease, they give you a, a, a bulletproof vest with it. Right? You know, in our city, I visited a beautiful young lady. I visited, I went to lunch with her mom and went to, went to meet her. She had a little baby. And how did I meet her? I had to go into her bedroom. Why? Because she was in her bedroom, right? And gang violence, gang shooting, bullet comes through the wall. She's paralyzed. So she couldn't walk. Beautiful young lady that, that literally that happened to in our city. Why am I saying all this? Right? And, and a lot of it, man, talk to some of the officers here. They could probably tell you stuff that you'd be like, what? That happens in our, in our, play, in our town? Right? The, ch- the world needs us Amen. to trust him. And here's the cool thing. You and I are made 
to put all of our trust in him. That's the way we're made. So when you're living trying to trust in yourself, you're, not, you're trying to live like a fish out of water. Do you know, as your pastor, I can't keep myself, but he keeps me. I look to him to keep me. I put all of my trust in him. Right? What a way to live. So let's go to 1 John. We're, we're, i got to get out of 1 John here, but not yet. 1 John chapter 5. For you note takers, we're going to go all the way through verse 15. Isn't it nice for me to tell you that? Man. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Pastor Torian's like, thank you, sir. <laughs> Look at this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. Aren't you getting thrilled right now? This is thrilling that the God of the universe has committed his life to you. Don't you ever think that there's something that he can't bring you. Man, all those years of college and career ministry in California, you know, when you're a, when you're a certain age and you're single and you desire to be married, oh man, Satan will work overtime on you because it's awesome if he could get you to marry a counterfeit. Right? Or if he could lead you from where you're supposed to be off to another place because, you know, I just, I, I just, in my life right now, I can't, there's nobody. Do you know that God will bring your spouse from, I don't care where he's got to bring them from? Because here's the deal the word says this what things soever you desire, when you pray, here we go though. You must believe that you receive them and you'll have them. It was so cool. We would have, we would, we would do beach stuff or whatever, and we'd do activities in our college and career group. And, you know, here's this really pretty girl in our college career group. And, and you know, we'd go to the beach, and pretty soon there's some guys at the beach that are kind of like being really friendly to her. And she's like, oh, you know, now nah, I'm not interested. I have a husband. She's not married, not even dating anybody, right? But she has one. Why? Because she believes she received one. I mean, the stories, right? The, I mean, how that God, I think the, the cherry on the whole thing was how God brought you into my life. That's amazing. From Iowa. I, I grew up in Illinois. I never met anybody from Iowa, right? I'm like, Wow. You know, I think the, what is it, the Beach Boys or something, they sang this song about California girls. Forget that. <laughs> Iowa girls. I'm like, wow. Are you kidding me? Right? God, what am I, why am I saying this? Do you know God, everything that you're facing, every desire in your heart, do you know he's already, he's already provided for it? So you focus on him. Put all your trust in him. Look at this. Verse 11, and this is the record that God hath given us eternal life. We could leave right now. You possess eternal life. The very life that God has, that in itself will bring your whole life into being where there is no lack, every desire fulfilled, strength, no fear, everything. And this life 
is in his son. He that has the son. Do you have the son this morning? If you don't, I've got great news for you. At the end of this service, when we dismiss, you're going to be able to come down here and you could receive the son and receive the very life of God. Be born again. Change your life forever. He that has the son hath life. He that hath not the son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So he says, whoever has the Son has life, and these things I've written to you that are believing, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe this word believe means that you may be firmly persuaded, that you may have faith in the fact or faith in the name of the Son of God. God wants you to know today, if you're born again, you have the Son, which means you have the very life of God. And he's saying that to you because you are people who believe on the name. You believe on the Son of God. But he wants you to be firmly persuaded that now you will believe on the name of the Son of God for everything in your life. Wow. And this is the confidence that we have in him. This is the confidence that we as people who have the Son, who have the very life of God, who are believing in the name, this is the confidence that we have. Now, if you're not believing in the name... You could have the son, but you're, you're choosing to look at something else. But the reality of it is, if you'll just look back at Jesus, you will believe in the name because you are a believer. Satan doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to think, oh man, you know, you've been messing up. It's going to take you a while to get back. No. Nope, I don't care how bad you've messed up. It's a decision. This is repentance. I'm going this way, and when I repent, I make a decision not emotional, I make a decision to change and to turn, do an about face and walk a different way. The minute you do that, power is released. The grace and ability of God is released to empower you to now walk out that decision. We haven't, but you know, I've repented so many times and I just keep doing it. No, you haven't. You've been remorseful, right? You've been remorseful and you're just like, man, I just, I just got to change. I'm making a decision, but it's emotional. It's all in your own strength. And then you just suck it up and I'm going to turn and I'm going to do better today. Knock yourself out. Has anybody done that like 50 times, right? I mean, has anybody not done that at least 50 times in one area of your life? But when you learn, wait a minute, I have been given the Son. I have his very life in me. There is the mighty Holy Spirit in me, the greater ones in me. And what does he do? He empowers me by his grace to just... So right here, I'm completely... If, if I'm supposed to be going that way, and I'm going this way, 
I'm completely out of the will of God. I'm blowing it as bad as I could ever blow it. And it's like, well, no, wait, pastor, no, 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 you don't understand. I've turned this way, and then, man, I'm, I'm like, I'm way over here. I'm just way back. Can I do this in church? I'm way, way back here. And I'm, I'm so bad. I'm like, where in the world am I going? I, you know, I just, oh, man, you know, I'm out. I'm out. And then I'm walking, and then I'm going. I don't even know if they could hear me, you know. And then I'm just like, well, maybe I'll try church again. But I'm just such a mess. What are people going to think when I come back? And you know what the difference between that and you're supposed to be walking this way and you just turn this way, do you know there's no difference? We think in degrees and we think, wait, this person's been blowing it in this area, this is really bad. God's like, no, I, I died for that just the way I died for everything else. It's all paid for. There's all grace to change. So doing this puts you back in the perfect will of God. Amen. Satan doesn't want you to know that. Repentance is all about, I'm not, I'm not the one with the power to change. I've got my faith in him to change and transform my life. See, for us, change is really transformation. Do you know what transformation is? All it is it's when what's on the inside of you gets pulled on the outside. A believer that's completely blowing it, guess what? They're just walking out of their flesh. But if they decide to change and walk in their spirit, what happens is now who they really are on the inside will show up in their behavior. But not because of their own strength. Because they trust, they're just resting in it you got to meditate on that to get that. But man, I'm still meditating on that, and it's just thrilling. I mean, do you realize I have the ability to literally crave a Brussels sprout? Right? And it's not a process I could just decide to. Everything in my life, I could just make a decision. Is it that easy? Yeah. It's that easy. Satan doesn't want you to know that. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, this is the confidence. We know he hears us. Period. All you got to know is your father hears you because our heavenly father's even beyond Papa with my grandkids. Right? I mean, sometimes I get in trouble with their mom. Because my answer is always yes. <laughs> Papa, can I have that? Yes. Right? Yeah. Right? Pastor Torian knows about that because, you know, his, his AKA, also known as, is El Shaddad. <laughs> Ask his daughter. She tells me that frequently. Right? This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Done. I just believe that I received my healing and I knew he heard me because I prayed according to his will. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. 
we know we have it. That sounds a lot like when you pray, believe you receive it and you'll have it, right? See, you could believe you receive your healing and you have it. You have hold of it on the inside and you are going to have it, different have, on the outside. It'll show up in your body, in your life, in your relationships, in your family, all of this stuff. Isn't that good news? So remember the definition of trust when we talk about this. The definition of trust is to be completely and totally dependent upon God and no one else and nothing else. Isn't that good news? Man, you just made my whole year seeing these two back in church. God is working in their life, healing, praise God, strength. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. See, in other words, when I live my life and I'm completely dependent upon God and no one else and nothing else, what happens now is I start off depending on God. If I face something, I start off depending, depending on God, right? When Bud and Fran, when you guys went into that situation, you started off totally depending on God. You, we didn't go, well, let's try 18 different things, and if they don't work, then we'll cry out to God and then heal. No, you start out depending on him, right? You don't depend on God because everything else that you've tried has failed, no. No, you start off depending on God. So now when you go to the doctor or whatever, you're going with all of your trust in God. So now you're not going to play this game, well, should I do this? Should I not? Should I? Let me try to figure this out. Let me get on the internet and, okay, what's going on here? And, you know, do I take medicine? Do I not? You know, there's Christians that believe that they shouldn't take medicine because they're in faith. But they're a New Testament believer. You should, what, what should you do? You should be led by the Spirit of God because you're at rest. So you're just led. He knows where you're at. You know, some people would die because there's not enough in them yet to believe God for something. They might need to have a surgical procedure, <laughs> right? They might need to take some medicine for a little while. But our trust is never in that. And I'm not going to start relying on it. Because a day could come when all of a sudden that medicine doesn't work anymore. Or there's not a procedure that could be done. Right? See, he's not a practicing physician. He's the great physician. Right? So this is why I'm teaching this. As your pastor, I want to... I'm, I'm, I'm trusting God for utterance because what God wants for you is to learn how to cultivate trust in him. This is not, it's something you cultivate. What do you do when you cultivate something? Like, like if you're, if you're going to go plant some seeds, what do you do? You get the ground ready. And that's what we're doing today. The ground of your heart, the soil of your heart, you want it to be good ground so when the word goes in it, it will produce. So we want to cultivate every area of our life. You know, there might be an area of your life that is just hard as a rock. Don't worry about that. 
Man, I'm telling you what, you can start watering. You have your waterer. You have your tiller. Right? You start speaking the word and speaking the word and speaking the word, and it'll break up all that hardness, get rid of all that unbelief, get rid of all the insecurities, get rid of, here's the big one, get rid of all the pride. I'm just, I've got to do this. You're not created to do anything for yourself or by yourself. You are, we have the honor to be created to do everything with God. It's the way the Trinity operates. He came to give us his life. Jesus doesn't do anything alone. The Father doesn't do anything alone. The Holy Spirit doesn't do anything alone. They all work together always. That is Zoe life. So I could relax because he's working in me and through me right? And what do I do? I just line up with him. And it's, it's, it's the way I've been created. Now I could literally operate because see, the desires of my heart are beyond natural things. God will call you to do something that you can't do as a human being alone. He'll, and this is why, this is why we have to tap into him because what he calls us to do is to, I mean, to yield an eternal divine fruit that will literally last for eternity. Isn't that amazing? And will speak of the goodness of God. So we want to teach you how to cultivate trust in God. Go to Daniel chapter 11. Hallelujah. It says in, at the end of this verse, you've heard me quote this verse so many times. There's so much in here. It says, but the people that do know their God, it says they shall be strong and they shall do, do behavior, do exploits. This word know, this Hebrew word gives us a picture of an intimate relationship where things are conceived on the inside of you and birthed out of you. I know God so well and so intimate that he is conceiving things in me and they are being birthed out of my life. They that know God this way shall be strong. This Hebrew word strong means they shall be courageous enough to seize hold of things. The man who penned this was thrown in a lion's den. And he knew, he went in there in faith, he knew he was not going to die that night. Now, when the king came the next day and called Daniel, because he called to Daniel, Daniel's like, oh, king, live, live forever, I'm okay. The king brings Daniel out, commands his nation to serve Daniel's God. To give you an idea of a lion's den, you know, they didn't feed these lions before they threw somebody in there. Because they took all the ones, all the politicians, and, and their families, 
and threw them in the lion's den. And the Bible says that all of them, all of their bones were broken and they were killed before they ever hit the bottom of the lion's den. The lion's den was a fierce thing. Daniel was able to seize hold of and go, I'm not dying today. Daniel was older. He had been in captivity a long time. He was in a position in that, in that government. He had probably seen a lot of people be thrown in a lion's den. Disgusting. I mean, just blood flying everywhere before they even hit, right? Have you ever seen a lion in the wild? There was this guy, this young couple in our church in Mount Pleasant. How am I getting off on all this? So their dad was very wealthy, and they would go on African safaris. And so they were hunting. They would go on these African safaris. And the wife told the son, told, told her husband, hey, I don't feel good about this one. Don't go on this one. He's like, no, honey, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. So they, they had killed a, a hippo and brought it in the back of this big truck. And so everybody, everybody was in the cab, but the, the young man, he was in the back with the hippo, right? And uh, all of a sudden, they're driving through Africa, they're driving away, and this female, full-grown lion wants the hippo. So literally, they're driving. People are in the truck. They don't see this, but this female lion is running and then jumped to jump in the back of the truck, and, and the truck just, she hit it wrong, and she grabbed on but then fell off. So then everybody in the truck's freaked. Her husband... His, his fingers were just all bloodied because he was so freaked out, he was scraping, trying to break into the back of the car. His mind, it's metal, right? And so, so then this lion got up and just is running again, and he's screaming, you know, drive faster. And, you know, these trucks don't go super fast. You're on, and this lion is coming, and, and he, he says, I mean, the paws of this thing were huge. And if that lion would have got in there, it would have just shredded him. For months after he got home, he would wake up, his wife said, in a cold sweat. He could smell that lion. I mean, the, you know, and this is a lion's den. They that know their God will be strong enough, courageous enough to seize hold of things and go do exploits. Exploits. This Hebrew word means they will go do things beyond their natural ability. And the call of God on every one of your lives is to do things beyond your natural ability. Right? Talk to any parent. Right? I mean, I remember when we were married. You have your first child. They come out and you're like, oh, wow. What do we do now? A month earlier, we're at a restaurant and this little guy is just freaking out with this family and we're sitting there going, what's their problem? Deal with your kid. After you have a child, you're sitting in a restaurant, somebody's freaking out, number one. Number one thought, even after all these years, number one thought, I'm so glad it's not my child. <laughs> right? Number two thought, man, I need to pray for that person because, wow. You know, sometimes, 
as a parent, sometimes you're like, what do I do? And then your kids grow up, and then it gets really technical because you're not their boss anymore. But you still want to tell them what to do, and you could see the look on their face. I'm not asking you, <laughs> right? Because they know what they want to do. So funny. You got to learn how to do things beyond your natural ability. To do that, you've got to learn how to cultivate trust in God to where you're so pliable, you, you put him first. Well, I just want to do this. Well, there's no life in that. Your plans, your purposes, they will not fulfill you. His plans and his purposes, he made you for them. Right? See, the natural mind has difficulty understanding this depth of intimacy. To know God so intimate that things are conceived in me. He's conceiving things in me and he's birthing them out of me. To walk with God that way. That is our whole life. To know him. Right? You must renew your mind to this. Trusting God, it's based on knowledge. So you're going to have to have revelation knowledge of who he is. Not religion. And you don't get revelation knowledge if God's a peripheral in your life. Every one of us will be tempted to leave this place and go, wow, what a great message. Let's go to lunch and let's forget about it. Right? Or, and get distracted and all of these things. And then all of a sudden, here we are. We're living our life. We're trying to produce it ourselves. There's no life in that. We must view life from God's perspective. The only way to view life from God's perspective is to trust him. We trust in his name. Because then when you face something, you compare everything you're facing to who he is. If you're not trusting him, you're, you're comparing everything you're facing to who you are. Right? See, we look at past victories. We realize, see, see when you trust God, you look at what he's done in your past. But also, we realize that any hard time I'm going through has an expiration date. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not going to camp there for 50 years. Right? In other words, today, let today be the day that you start your coming out. Could it be that easy? Yeah, all you got to do is decide to come out. So I'm going to close with this. Developing trust in God, it literally, if you study this out, I think we have a series on it, it, it brings God's empowerment into your life. If you're not trusting him, you're cutting him off from empowering your life. See, what does the word blessed mean? It literally means empowered to prosper. See, faith, your faith grows as you cultivate and you develop trust in God. So in other words, my trust in God, it not only equips me, it gives me the tools, but it empowers me to walk them out. See, God wants to bring continuous victory in your life. Continuous. But he can only do that if you trust him. And, and listen, your flesh won't want to do that. Your flesh will be like, no, 
I want to do this, right? I'm so glad I got to that point where I'm like, yeah, no, I, I've, I've, I'm done with myself here, right? See, many, many in our circles will say they believe in God. Oh, I'm believing God. But everything about their life is screaming that they don't really trust him. My belief in him flows out of my trust in him. My complete decision, I made a complete decision, I'm going to completely depend on you, and I'm never going to depend on anyone else or anything else. You are my source of supply. And I'll beat my flesh black and blue every day to stay in that place. And if I ever move from it, I jump right back. Right? You know, you face things as a pastor that doesn't make you feel real good sometimes. And man, I'm telling you, because I've submitted my life to God, he comes right on the scene and he's like, so this is all about you. Nope. No, get over yourself, Tony. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, and I'm going to trust you to empower me to get over myself, right? Many say they're trusting God, but what they're really doing is they're just hoping this thing will work out. God wants to get you past that. He wants you right at the beginning of something knowing, I'm not hoping it works out, world hope, it may or it may not, I just hope it does. No, no, where you know Bible hope. I have a, a confident expectation, a strong expectation that what God said he would do, he will do. Amen?